money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I'm ready to talk money. <laughs> if you've heard the show before, as we generally start, you, you kind of come into the middle of a conversation often when we start the show. So for you, it's the start. For us, it's generally the middle. So we're, we're in the middle of a conversation about how Reb loves to take over the show. And, and I just am the good looks. So for those of you that are listening on the podcast or are, are hearing it on the radio, I'm the good looking one. Reb is the one who carries the show. I don't, so. I don't. I think you have the radio voice. Mm-hmm. That's what you're. Yeah. And the radio face. So yeah, apparently. Uh, yeah. Oh. By way of housekeeping, <laughs> uh, again, uh, just uh, tune in on morethanenough.ca, chri.ca, and notmine.ca. Those uh, email or sorry, those websites. websites. <laughs> this uh, is why I don't let you. Speak. <laughs> too much. Anyway. I, I better be quiet. Yeah. Uh, but those websites have the player. So you can just anytime tune in and hit play and listen uh, to the show. And if you're a podcasting person, then we, uh, you know, any podcasting platform, I'm not going to list them out, but we're on just about everyone. And we try to be on everyone so that uh, it's convenient for you. So thank you so much for supporting, for listening, for making comments for those of you who've done it. And and if you're having trouble with the technology, I won't say we can solve it, but we can maybe direct it. So info at more than enough uh, is the email address and just reach out and we'll see how we can help. So so there you go. Today, it's a continuing conversation. Very excited between you, me and Brent Vandermeer from Crosspoint Financial. So welcome to the show again, Brent. So good to be back with you both. And I love the laughing start. That's a great way to start a pod- podcast. Well, last week we read about a time to mourn and a time to laugh. So there's the laughter segment for uh, anyone's day. Uh, anyway, we're going to continue the conversation today. We actually didn't get to part of the topic we were going to talk about last week. So today, um, last week, Brent was able to sum up what kind of what had happened in 2020 in the markets. and. We want to ask him to this morning, just, you know, what are some things that you as an investor should be doing differently and what shouldn't you be doing differently? And then we want to ask his own personal perspective on what he's been seeing um, with investors and, and folks and the markets. And we're going to talk about a, a couple serious things about how greed and fear is affecting um, investing today. So, but I do want to read because when I talk to, um, uh, Brent and some some other financial advisors in our lives. I just always sense this need and uh, for wisdom and discernment. And we're going to go to James three because there's some beautiful words about wisdom. Mm-hmm. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, 
than peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I was just um, thinking about even how we know Brent and and the years that um, we've had friendship with him. And also the wisdom that he shares with us about finances, even on this show. And I was, I know that he is a man who strives to have that wisdom from above that is pure and peaceable and gentle and willing to yield. And I know he'll probably say, stop talking like that, Reb. But, um, you know, I know that's something that he, he wants to fulfill in his life and in his business. So um, I'm really eager to hear about the wisdom that you have for us all and in the investing. And so I'm just going to, I guess, give it Ask to Wayne. I, I'm going to let Dave you just let it hang out with, with poor Brent to go, okay, there's no question here. No question. Okay. okay. If you could tell us in, in a summary, uh, what, is there something we should be doing differently? Like you talked about last week about the market, how, you know, this 10% group is the innovators and the, and the technology in that sector is just booming. And then the regular guys are, you know, have dropped a little bit, but you're not worried. You're, you know, that the market, you believe the market's mm-hmm. going to recover and we shouldn't worry or panic, but are our investors like selling off really fast and like they're worried and fearful, like what, what's happening and what should we do with all of that? Wow. Yeah. That's, um, I should be careful saying I won't give like specific advice on exactly do this or that, right? Because in a radio show, it's got to be appropriate to people and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with true advice. And we never give sort of stock tips, but I can add sort of more of a story around that a bit. Like when you look at the sort of time tested and true investing ideas, the one thing that really, that we believe really dictates your future returns is the price that you pay for a business that you want to own. It's the exact same thing as if you were going out and buying a business today, whether it was a bakery down the street or anything. If you're going to buy that business, you want to know what are your future earnings going to be? Are you going to sell the scones and the muffins and the bread, right? Or uh, And is that going to increase every year? And what are you going to do to do that? Or is it? Are your costs going to keep going up and sales down and your earnings might decrease over time? What you're willing to pay for that business to buy it from someone else is really, I mean, that's a simplified version of it. Mm-hmm. But at the core of it, that's what it is, is, is the business is worth what its future earnings power is going to be. Mm-hmm. And you can't forget that. So when you look at stocks, people, when greed sets in, to talk about what you were referring to earlier, uh, what they're forgetting, I think, in a lot of times like this, in a euphoria period in a market, and I and I would be clear, I think this is one of those. Um, they're forgetting about the fundamentals of a business and what it's worth, and they're just gam- gambling, saying, "I think there's going to be someone else buying it at a higher price." Doesn't matter why they're buying it at a higher price or what I think that you know analysis went into buying it at a higher price. They'll just, they're just thinking, I'll buy it today for $10 and I'll sell it tomorrow for 20 and I'll make an easy buck. And that's not investing, right? That's gambling. And I think there's lots of warnings against that. And what I'm seeing more and more today, because we've had 
this acceleration in certain stock prices that have just gone parabolic higher. Mm-hmm. Some of it justified because there's business model changes and the way we're living and spending the money in businesses to pay for services and different things that is new. Some of it is valid. But when you sit there and look at what am I paying now for that business? I'd I'd be willing to bet that most people who are investing have never really said, what is the overall value of that business that I'm paying? And is it worth it? That's a very simple step to take. You're not going into tons of detail at that point. But if you're just looking at the share price, I'm telling you, you haven't done that work. And so that's a key warning for people to say, if I'm being a wise investor and I'm thinking of this like a business that if I was a family-owned business, and you can probably think in your mind of a lot of the well-known families that own big businesses in our country, are they expecting to sell that business or are they going to pass it on to their kids and grandkids and hopefully keep in the family for many generations? And the answer is the latter. And that's how I think people should be thinking about owning investments. We're not doing it for a quick flip, a quick buck. Um, You should be thinking about owning that business through a cycle, long time period so that it can be passed on to your kids and grandkids, basically. And when you do that and you have that perspective, I think there's a wisdom that comes into that that is required. Mm-hmm. And today, I think it's 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 reminiscent right now of when I started in the business and I was really young. I was 20. I was in my business school days, um, 1997. It was the first tech bubble. And boy, did I think I was good at investing but boy did i not know what i was doing right and i think we can all remember that those 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 times those those who were there and there's certain things today like as that bubble grew and people were quitting their jobs and trading and there were it wasn't necessarily reddit at the time or news groups or gamestop or different stories but there were other insert other name and the euphoria and the lack of thinking and wisdom going into buying and selling um was was unbelievable And there are very significant similarities between then and now that I think come as a warning sign. It's a rhyme. It's not a repeat, right? History isn't going to be exactly the same as it was before. Uh, But that that should be a warning. And at the same time, like I said to you before the show, I'm not at all predicting, because we don't do that, but we're not predicting a market decline. I think these are warning signs that there is a euphoria. It's coming. It's part of the cycle. It's normal that we're going to get a correction at some point. Um, But right now, I think if I had to predict or say what we feel is happening and how we're positioning capital, it's very rare to see a market correction when central banks are what we call... um, uh, accommodative in their stance. They're they're printing money, they're creating liquidity, they're keeping rates low, they're not raising rates. And fiscal policy, so the government side of action, they're spending money at uh, unprecedented rates. And all of that is very supportive of businesses doing well and markets not correcting. It doesn't mean it can't happen. There can always be what we call these black swan events, these unexpected things that no one predicted that can come and cause a massive panic to occur. But normally, historically speaking, when these two sides of policy are supportive, it's very rare to see a market correction. So from a probability perspective, we're not expecting there to be a drop. 
Does that mean we agree with what's going on? No, I didn't say that either. I'm just saying (laughs) this is what's happening and therefore it's not likely to occur. But I think the other part that people should be aware of is that it doesn't mean that every business is a good entry point. So that's a key thing right now is to be very careful and selective about what are you buying? What price are you paying? And is this, do I have the emotional fortitude? Do I understand that part of investing is big corrections? And what are my actions going to be when that happens? Because again, if we were the family that owned that business, would we be selling it when there's a, a, a market drop and people aren't willing to pay us as much for it? Do we care? Like as a family that's owned this business for 50 years or more, just because someone is yelling a price to us that's below, do we have to accept that price? No, we can ignore it and say, thanks, we'll, we'll hold this business for many more years. And I guarantee you probably, you know, so, so, I guess I guarantee prob- most likely in the future, <laughs> that business will be worth more than what you're yelling me in the market that it's worth today. And so that's fine. I ignore your price, right? But do many people do that in the markets? And as traders, they say, no. They don't, right? And so that's the philosophical approach that we take as a firm that lets us give wisdom, I think, and counsel to people to say what we're owning. We're very careful what we're paying to enter into ownership of a position. And when we do, we see it as a family-owned business that we can own for a long period of time. And when a correction occurs, and it will, and it may be soon, uh, there are signs that it's coming closer, right? That, um, That we're not going to make bad emotional decisions at that time, but we want to have wisdom and peace to say, these are businesses that we think we can hold for a lot longer. That was a long answer. Did that uh, give you yeah, sort of an beautiful. idea of what you're asking for? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, just kind of circling back around to, to the verses from James, um, you know, when, when I read them over, uh, trying to put them in the context of money. And, and again, what you've spoken to, Brent, is, you know, if we look at that the first one, you know, wisdom from the earth, you know, is bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts. You know, that, that sounds a little bit like greed, uh, you know, boasting about uh, what you've done, but not quite getting it right. You know, kind of boasting it, making it look good. I, I bought this stock. I made this money you know, all of that and really denying the truth. And and again, in the context of money, the, there there are numbers right there is history there there is cycles there are seasons we talked about so you know in a sense saying well, wait a minute um if we if we neglect to take those into to consideration with our money decisions whether it's every day or whether it's our investing decisions as we're talking about today uh and then comparing that to to verse 17 which is you know first of all wisdom is is pure it's peace loving, it's considerate, it's submissive. And we've talked about this before, and I don't want to take us on another spot. But, you know, there is a purpose to the money. If, if we're just investing and just saving, just because, and, and there's no, like, what are you going to do with this in terms of future? Or in terms of, is there a, a purpose to what you're doing, then all you're going to do is is the first ones you're going to follow the market you're going to try and get more you're, you know it's more and more and more and and in the end um i think the lord you know and even in here in james if we put that in the context is saying listen we we need to to make these decisions need to be made in the context of 
of peace loving and considerate and submissive to others and full of mercy and good fruit and impartial and sincere, right? So allowing uh, the words that maybe are going to speak to our fear or maybe going to speak to our greed and allowing, you know, those words and that truth to impact what is the investment decision that you're going to make. And in the example you said, you know, maybe you're just going to hold it and you're going to say, you know what, uh, I'm not going to bail out on this company that I believed in five years ago and invested in and they're going through a downturn, but I think the longer term is still there. Let's ride it out and and see where it goes, right? Um, so so just looking at those verses a little bit in the context of, of maybe how we can uh, sleep at night in this roller coaster. Now, I had a question just about is the market going up and down or, or is it kind of a a slow move up and down? Like what, if you look at, say, the last year we've looked at through COVID, I mean, we had that kind of massive drop and then massive recovery in a, in a month or, or less. <laughs> but what has it done since that? Uh, that's a great question. And boy, you have some great points there. I'd love to circle back to too. The, but to answer the question on the markets, yeah, it was... Um, a V-shape, if you think of that, the mm-hmm. person is listening and picturing in their heads, think of the letter V, and the drop was, was was significant and quick. And at the point in time then, people thought this was going to be sort of what we call L-shaped, like we were going to bounce along the bottom until we figured this out and the economy opened back up again. But remember, the market is full of people making assessments about the future and pricing that in with their their actions today, buy or sell. It's a binary decision. People started to act quickly saying, no, we think actually this is going to come back um, in a market's perspective relatively quickly. As we're still in lockdowns, we may not feel relatively quickly, but as far as a business cycle, it is pricing in a reopening and a getting past this. Maybe, hopefully, that's encouraging to some people listening to this, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But we ended up not having an L-shaped recovery where we bounced across the bottom. We really accelerated back up pretty quick. Like I said last week, also more pocketed in certain areas and tech and innovation and sort of uh, and a lot of the kind of value stocks and things lagged behind the old school ones but then near the end of 2020 there was a bit of a change of leadership in the, the and early 2021 of this year some of those tech stocks and that innovative space has declined and come off a little bit partly because we're seeing interest rates go up and that, that's a, I get into the weeds a bit here, but when the cost of money increases, the valuation of these high flying names actually gets compressed more so than the tried and true sort of blue chip dividend paying stocks. And so we did see a little bit of a leadership change where the, some of the, the, the profits were taken off and the discounting of earnings of these tech names came off and the old school value stocks had a really great start to the year. So... I would say that it has been, to answer your question specifically, strong 2020 and a little bit more moderate 2021, but still solid returns. Um, probably 3 4% so far this year, which means you're on pace to an 8% return, which is still you know higher than what our sort of forward expected returns are. We're sort of in that 5 to 6% camp. And, uh, and so that's pricing in, again, the accommodative central banks, the accommodative government fiscal policy, and this returning back of sort of this reopening theme that businesses that were suffering are now going to likely experience within a shorter time period, a recovery of, of earnings again. And so, yeah, the markets are 
markets are doing better, they're strong, but there are huge pockets where we see speculative activity, a lot of frothiness, I call it, a lot of sort of non-thinking, non-wise moves. And that's what a lot of the retail or average person is getting pulled into that. More and more people, like I said, back when I was first starting out, had friends who were saying, who cares about, and, and early clients too, who who cares about a traditional job? I'm, I'm going to day trade, right? I can make more money trading. And I've actually heard a lot more of that right now than I ever have in almost 20 years. And so those types of signs are, I'm not saying people can't do it. Um, I'm not saying you have to work with an advisor. Uh, I'm not trying to you know sing off my own song sheet only. But when people say it's that easy, I know it's wrong and it's not that easy. And so as you do it over meaningful periods of time and, and the amount of work that has to go into doing it. And so it's not that you can't be a DIY person. You could go build your deck in your backyard or do your basement reno if you have the time and the interest and the ability to research how to do it. And more all, all power to you. But if you don't have the time and you're thinking and be honest inside your head, oh, this is easy because right now it looks easy. Everything goes up. You can basically do a dartboard approach and pick, pick a winner. That's not normal. So if that can be a word of warning um, that, you know, don't get over ahead of your skis, as we say, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and be realistic about what you're buying and careful and, and seeking advice and counsel is an important thing. And, and, and it's not so it goes back to what we've had conversations with over the last few weeks, even that greed becomes the motivator then yeah. sometimes in such cases, would you say? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's just human nature in every area of life, right? If I can make a quick buck or I find myself, we, let me back a second. We have this conversation with clients a lot, you know, interest rates are down a usual sum of money that used to give a safe stable yield no longer does, right? If you were collecting four or 5% on a GIC 10 years ago, now you're lucky to get one. So what does that mean for your income? Well, it means you either have to take way less income and live off less, or you conclude, I need to get a higher rate of return to get back up to 4% or something to generate that lifestyle that I don't want to change. And therein lies a very tricky thing because that same person who said, I'm risk averse a decade ago is now taking risk and buying investments that are pushing the price up, which is a self-fulfilling trend, right? And um, greed is part of that in a way, right? Where you have to be really careful to say, am I solving a problem that I have, which is not enough income off the investments that I've accumulated? And am I solving it by saying, well, I'll just take more risk. And that's that may be okay for some people, but I think some people might be making a mistake when they're doing that as well. And, uh, and that's a hard problem to figure out, right? Like, what is the solution mm -hmm. to that? That's a lot of conversation and discernment and saying, what is the right action here? And, uh, and, and we face that challenge every day with clients saying, how do we, how do we kind of fill that gap of the mm -hmm. income that we used to be able to, to drive off this? But it actually speaks to your point earlier, Dave, when you were talking about purpose. That's what I love about your your business more than enough and our business in Crosspoint. I mean, if you go to our website, the first homepage, it says invest with purpose, right? And you use that word and I love it that we're not, we're really trying to help people figure out what is the purpose sort of the, 
in one way of saying it, it's the Simon Sinek, the why behind yeah. you're mm-hmm. doing this. And if you don't have that perspective because you haven't done the planning and the, the contextualization of saying, what's my stewardship line? Like, how much do I need? Well, how, and then when do I have more than enough bringing in Europe? Right. But we we talk about that word with our clients a lot and saying, and we have some tools and some dashboards that we report custom to every client saying, what's your line? Like, what? where do you need to be at? And sometimes if you're under that now, based on new assumptions of low interest rates or lower growth rates going forward, we have to adjust expectations of income. Or you're ahead of it for various reasons. You've been blessed with more money and we can actually quantify it and say, okay, based on all these assumptions and sort of things that we see going forward, here's how much money you have. Here's more than enough of what you have over your stewardship line. And uh, and then we can enter into some pretty fun discussions around what do you do with that money? What would you want to do with it? Is it wow. you know, helping helping your family, your kids, you don't have, or maybe charities, your churches? community, like whatever is your passion, how could you maybe give some of that out of the plenty that you have now, knowing that you've taken care of your camp, your people that you've been, you know, you're responsible to take care of. And that's a real passion for me. So finding that purpose of the money and then really helping people make solid decisions about what they might be able to do with the excess that they have or the hard hard discussions around you actually don't have what you need to live the lifestyle that you feel you want to live what should you do now right and as you said i mean uh in a lot of ways it it, it comes down to so that knowledge of of um and and not projecting too far into the future. And and this is where our conversations often happen with the clients is, is you know, a lot of the fear is of the all of the, the unknown in the future. The 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 well, what if this happens and what if this happens and, and all of that stuff, the the what ifs and and uh this this is why we go back to the Bible and this is why we go, oh, wait a minute, what what is what is what did Christ say about this? He said, Listen, it's enough for today. Yes, we want to be wise. Yes, we want to, in a sense, look ahead. Again, the proverb says, uh, you know, a wise man looks ahead, sees disaster and changes. A fool keeps going. So, okay, there's a balance there. But being able to say, you know, in the end, um, you know, let's keep it simple. Uh, I want to love God and I want to love my neighbor. Those are the two greatest (laughs) commandments. And how can we use the money that we have in our possession now to reflect those two things? in our investment strategy in the you know above or below the line i might have to reduce my own standard of living in my last years to get to that line but i'm okay with that because maybe i have some things that i want to do that line up with loving my neighbor or or that you know whatever that that is that purpose Mm -hmm. where you go back Mm -hmm. to the purpose which is what we try and encourage uh folks at more than enough to do even to discover what their purpose is, because often when you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's purpose is is a luxury, actually. Yeah. But right. Brent, we just have a couple of minutes. What would you leave as an encouragement for listeners today, um, just from where you're standing? That's a great one. It's hard to say that because of you know, as where I come from, a money person, it's hard to say from a. I don't want to necessarily encourage the money side because that's not what we put our faith in. Right. And that's to your point, Dave, earlier about, um, you know, 
do you see danger ahead? And there's plenty of places right now to see danger ahead. I mean, too much debt in the system. Is it going to cause a currency collapse? Do we get out and do we, you know, run for the hills and own assets that, you know, whatever it is. And I struggle with that, just being real and honest with you. I mean, I, I see those things and I'm aware and I'm not a, you know, a, a, a praiser of buy and hold forever and never see any of those issues in the markets. Right. But I, so I, I try to hold these different um, truths that, you know, yes, there could be some utter collapse or yes, this could keep going for way longer than you think it should. And how do you manage people's money that we've been entrusted millions and millions and millions of dollars that have been entrusted to us as a firm. And I, I come back to, I don't know the answer. I don't know the future. No one does, but I have a God who cares. I have faith and we all have a God who cares. We have faith that he watches over us, that he cares for the sparrow, how much more will he care for us? Um, whether it's money that is the help to you or not, I don't know. It may not be. All the work that I do may not actually matter if the value of our investments go to zero at some point. And if that happens, may we have the peace and the faith in our Lord and Savior to say, it doesn't matter. And I have peace going forward because I know he cares for me. Right. And that's yeah. that's an interesting thing to look at from a money manager where my job is to grow capital. And we do that. We try really hard to do that and do it well. That's our job. But at the same time, we hold it loosely and say, it's okay. It's well with my soul. If that falls and tarries and doesn't work, I'll be okay because God loves me, right? And it may not mean a lifestyle or whatever that I thought it was going to be. That's okay. And I hope that peace that comes from prayer, reading the word, gathering with other Christians and believers will be true in people's hearts. And on that bombshell... That was beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Join us next week when we talk money. Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.